Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. On this episode, we are joined by Steve Shirk of Shirk's Guide Service. Steve guides and hunts the big woods public land in northern Pennsylvania with great success. Steve and I talk about shed hunting as it relates to these big woods mountain bucks. We dive into when you should start shed hunting, the types of areas to find sheds, how to shed hunt an area, Big Woods Food Sources, Utilizing Trail Cameras, and much more. This is part two of the podcast I did with Steve a little while ago. Before we get into this, I want to share a little word from some of the sponsors of the podcast here. So the Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. So this time of year, I'm scouring on the maps on the desktop version of the hunt app to look for areas to scout during the spring, as well as potential hunting locations for my annual Western hunt. The new 3D feature makes it extremely convenient to look for hidden benches and just understand the lay of the land. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save yourself 20%. Tethered. Tethered is a company founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm currently using the Phantom Saddle System, which I'm giving one away if you check out the, the new film, which I'll give you a little more details on that here shortly. But I'm running the Phantom Saddle System with the Predator platform for all of my mobile hunts. To learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven Optics. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. So they want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are backed with a lifetime, no-fault warranty, and have an incredible customer experience. And I've been using the, the B3 8x30 binos. For all my shed hunting and spring scouting missions, and the lightweight platform really makes it great for always being on me while I'm in the tree in the fall, and it doesn't get in the way uh, with your saddle bridge or in a, in a tree stand. It just stays tight to your body. So if you use the coupon code East Meets West Gift for a free gift with any full price optics order at MavenBill.com. And Spartan Forge. Hunters require an accurate forecast of the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing the hunts. So the Spartan Forge outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out movement for your specific hunting area. And just to give you a heads up, there's going to be some big features coming within the outfitter here shortly and i i think if you read some uh, uh, an article that i did recently on using trail cam data and all this other stuff if you're a geek on watching the weather and figuring out all this stuff i can promise you that this this new upgrade to the outfitter is going to be worth your while and uh, if you sign up now, you can one use the code East Meets West to save twenty five percent off. But you also that that gets you a locked in price. 
So when it goes to increase after they add some of these additional features in here later, uh, well, I think later this spring, then um, you're locked in. You don't have to pay any extra. So you check that out at SpartanForge.ai. All right. So I want to give the the Mountain Buck story of the week, otherwise known as Mountain Buck Monday over on social media. So this one's from Will Ogden and coming out of Virginia. Will says, I've known this buck since he was a two-year-old nine-point. Over the years, he would show up in November on an overlooked ridge adjacent to the public parking lot that always harbored a family of does. I never targeted the buck because he was either immature or I was already tagged out. This year, however, he was my main target. He showed up in early September, but he quickly vanished. Come early November, a huge fresh buck sign told me he was back. On November 16th, I set up in a bottleneck 120 yards from his suspected bedding in between him and the Doe family. Just before dark, he came down the ridge perfectly to about 45 yards, and the rest is history. A a six-and-a-half-year-old public land Virginia mountain buck. And... As, as I say every week, I'm blown away by these photos, but this deer is a, a giant. And if you head over to this, uh, East meets West social media pages on Instagram and Facebook and check out the photos of this deer, incredible mountain buck. I mean, just next level. But so th- congratulations to Will and I appreciate him sharing the story. You can share your story. It doesn't matter if the buck's big or small, all of them are are the same as far as sharing the story. And I'd love to, to be able to share that. We've got a ton of submissions still to go through and I want to keep this going throughout the year. So send those over to me. All right. As far as news this week, uh, the long haul, the Pennsylvania mountain buck hunting film just launched this past Sunday. If you haven't checked it out already, it's just over 11 minutes long. You can watch it on your lunch break. You can watch it before work, after work, whatever. I, I would really um, appreciate it if you checked it out and gave me some feedback there. I mean, I think Justin Mueller, who's been doing all my film work uh, over the last couple of years, just absolutely killed it again. I mean, he has a way of making making me look good when I'm just an average guy that likes to hunt and he just somehow makes it pulls it together in a way that's it's incredible so this this film was how do I want to explain it so trying to even though I was the the character in the the film as far as the person that was going through this season I think it's it's more of a representation of everyone that's like me that loves hunting the challenge of these mountain bucks and the full year round process that it comes to, to hopefully become successful. And uh, also to show the hunting heritage that, that we have specifically within my family, but I know that runs strong in the blood of others in Pennsylvania and other areas of the country. So I really hope everyone enjoys that. And if you're listening to this up until I believe it's the 19th you have to head over to the, the video and scroll down in the description on the YouTube video because I have a way to enter to win some great gear prizes. And some of those prizes, just to give you an idea, they um, we have a, the Tethered Phantom Saddle, which I mentioned earlier, Sick Gear Fanatic Hoodie, 
five Spartan Forge Outfitter memberships and hats, five Elite memberships to Onyx, um, Maven Optics Apparel, Iron Will Outfitters K1 Lightweight Knife, and an East Meets West Vintage Compass Shirt. So for your chance to win, you've got to like the video, subscribe to the channel, comment below, and for additional entries, if you share the video on social media and either tag myself, Bomartonic, or East Meets West Hunt and East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook, and the winner will be chosen on February 19th. So, well, winners, there's going to be a bunch of winners there. Um, so I think it's about 15 people can win some stuff or even more. So trying to spread the love there and hopefully get a lot of people to win. I, I honestly really, really, really appreciate all of it. So with that being said, I hope that you enjoy this episode with Steve Shirk and helps you cure a little bit of cabin fever. Have a good rest of your week. All right, we're back for part two, Steve Shirk. It's uh, it's good to be talking to you again. Let's we'll be getting rolling into the second part here. So I can't wait. Let's get going. Heck yeah, <laughs> man! So last on the last one, if you missed it, head back and take a take a listen to it. It was all about Steve's last season, some lessons that he learned. Uh, you know, lessons hunting a specific deer in the crazy twelve. And then kind of how you're getting into scouting some new areas and old and, you know, applying that. So I want to do this one specifically around shed hunting. So the first thing I'm going to ask you about that is, is shed hunting something that you do specifically or is that kind of something that happens while you're scouting? I don't know if that makes sense. No, it, it's both actually like, uh, most years, I'm shed hunting, but I'm more scouting it. You know, last year, uh, I really didn't do a lot of like scouting and I did some, but it was more, I just wanted to see how many sheds I could find. (laughs) And I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't trying to break some record or anything, but, uh, I just thought I felt really confident last year that, that, you know, the areas I planned to hunt the following season, like I knew them pretty well. I knew it was, it was so thorough. I was like, you know, I just, I'm just going to do more shed hunting in general than anything this year. I don't think it's going to be that way because like I said, on the last podcast, uh, I lost quite a few of the, the deer that, that I like to hunt and that we were hunting for guiding. So this year there's, I got to put a lot more work in, um, so, but doesn't mean you can't find sheds when you're doing that either. I mean, some, sometimes the, those areas that you're learning, uh, will be good wintering areas and, you know, you'll still find sheds. So my eyes are going to be on the ground most of the time anyway, but, uh, and then finding a shed sometimes is, is a great clue and a great starting point. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I kind of go both ways. Um, but I would say, uh, you know, I think a lot of people enjoy shed hunting and that's kind of what they're focused on when they're out there, but you'll gain more in your time in the woods if you're kind of shed hunting and scouting at the same time, mm-hmm. if that makes you know yeah. kind of sense. So, and, and back to your, your last, the last episode we did, the way that you go into scouting an area and trying to learn every square inch, yep. that's how you're going to find sheds too. Oh yeah, because exactly. You're, because you're covering exactly. all of that all that different ground, you know, and, and so that, that's the, and the way you just explained it, 
I I think was a really good way. And, and I, I, I feel like I do something similar to where like, if I'm going into a new area, I, I might not be looking for sheds as much as if it's an area that I've been hunting for three or four years or two yeah. or, or even two or three years. And so, okay. So let's, let's step back a little bit. So when it comes to specifically shed hunting, mm-hmm. What there, you know, you can be shed hunting food sources, you can be shed hunting bedding areas, all that. What, what does that look like for you? And what time of year are you kind of starting that? Sure. Um, well, I usually start really looking, keep my eyes open for sheds like around the first of January. I know, I mean, there, I have pictures of deer, actually, have one picture of a buck on November 28th this year. He, he had no antlers, so it can happen then. Um, but I, uh, I, I kind of changed what my eye, eyes are focused on. Like this year, I started my postseason scouting the day after Christmas, and so I was like literally scouting, like trying to find bucks for the for a four or five day period. Uh, if you saw, like, I had a couple of videos with my cell phone yep. of like bucks I saw scouting. <laughs> Yeah, um, you found some awesome. Yeah, at least a couple pretty nice ones. <laughs> yeah. But then once January comes, my eyes are on the ground completely. Like if 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 there was a buck in front of me, all I see are the tracks running now. Like maybe I'll get a glimpse, but it's just kind of how I've always like transitioned. I always say once January comes, my eyes are on the ground. Before January, I'm looking for deer, if that kind of makes yep. sense. So yep. now you probably won't see any videos of deer because literally my eyes are on the ground. <laughs> yep. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, you can, you know, even in, in December, yeah, you can find sheds. Um, it's, but the further into winter you go, the more you you want to have your eyes on the ground. Let me put it to you that way. Yeah. So. Definitely. Uh, so, okay. When, when, I mean, I know you said like sheds can start falling really at any time, even December end of November as you're going through, when is the time that, well, it sounds like when you're out scouting now that you're, you know, looking for sheds essentially, but if you were focusing on, on shed hunting, what types of areas are you starting first? And then how does that transition as you go through the year? Um, I rarely go into bedding areas at all until March, just because I, I really think, you know, anywhere from one, two, three occurrences inside of a bedding area, you know, if you're trying to get a particular buck sheds, you're really going to make it much harder because once you bump them, you know, every deer is a little different, but anywhere from one to three times could disrupt everything for you to try to get those sheds like when i uh got goliath sheds you know a couple years ago i was scouting day after christmas and um i saw him and the most perfect scenario was i kicked him out of his bed so and it was just the most perfect wintering spot so i was like you know what i'm not going in here till spring and i'm just gonna hope and pray that those sheds will be in this area somewhere and uh I didn't, I was tempted in March and I was like, nope. I was like, I'm not even going until April because if I do bump him, it could ruin everything or he could run, who knows, a mile off and then drop. So, you know, those antlers are fragile, you know, this time of year. So so I went in there and uh, I don't know, it was like mid-April I went in and I honestly, I mean, there's definitely some luck and God-given gift that day because... 
I'm like, all right, the first spot I'm going to look is right in that bed that he was laying in. And that is exactly where both sheds were, right in the bed. No way. The first, yeah, his bed, That's it was like he left him there for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was a perfect scenario of like, okay, if, maybe you maybe you were out scouting right now and you maybe you didn't know a particular buck was bedding in this certain area because in the wintertime, they can really have tight bedding. Like they, if they have food available, there's not much pressure. Uh, there's good thermal cover if you're, you know, up north up here where you need that. Those that buck may stay there all winter. So if if you play your cards right and you just don't go in till the spring, there's a good chance they'll be right around there somewhere. So, um, so your bedding areas, I would suggest no earlier, you know. Uh, then March doesn't hurt to, to go later either. It's just the later you go, the less opportunity and time, you know, if you go in in April and it's going to be fully green by late April, then who knows, you might only get a few times in there to look. Yeah. So, uh, but, um, but for right now, if I was going to shed hunt, uh, I would just be food sources entirely. Or if I know for sure where the bedding is, Anywhere but the bedding. Maybe the travel routes from bedding to food, or, or they're probably yeah. okay. But it's that bedding area where they're spending their daytime. You got to stay out of. Yeah. Time of year. What about what if you got say you're looking for a certain buck and yeah. your cameras, whether it be a cell camera, a regular cell camera, showed you on a travel route that he had yep. dropped already. Say you could tell by cutting yeah. the ears, body oh, yeah. or something. Then then would you go into the bedding earlier? Oh, I would accept, and I have that scenario right now. Like I have, <laughs> I have a, a really big buck that dropped both antlers. Uh, he dropped one last, or he dropped one about ten days ago, and then another one just maybe four days ago. He, he dropped them both in you know like a ten day stretch, but he's hanging with three other bucks, and even though he's the biggest, like I did look some this week and where you know where he's been feeding in that and some of the trails to and from bedding but i i mean i didn't find the antlers in those areas maybe that doesn't mean they're not there either but i'm not going in the bedding area because i'd also like to not disturb that and maybe get some of those other antlers yeah so if he's all by himself and you know or maybe you don't care about the other bucks like you know i'll I just want his and yeah, there's no problem. Cause even if you bother a bedding area this time of year and you think that might be a bedding area for next hunting season, you're not going to hurt it for next hunting season. Yeah. But it just depends on the situation. But I, I truly believe too much time in a bedding area now, you know, you will ruin your chances. Yeah. I, 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 I could definitely agree with that. And it's tough with other people being out oh, yeah. and everything and yep. you start seeing boot tracks and yep. areas and that, that always makes it, makes it kind of tough, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta stick to your guns. You, oh, I, yeah. I think like, um, the way, the way I think about it is the same thing with, um, you know, when you're talking about hunting, say bigger deer and it's in a pressured area, be like, well, I'd, I just shot this because another person was shooting anyways. That's that's, <laughs> a, that's the wrong mentality. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, that's definitely a possibility. But if if you stick to your guns, you have a you have a better chance than if you you didn't. So yep. it's all about playing the the odds there. And yep. No, I always try to. Uh, I never think about like another hunter shooting any deer, unless I have seen the deer myself dead or seen the pictures like. You have to kind of just block out. I mean, you have to pay attention where other hunters are hunting, but you can't let that like bother you because what it what it can do is frustrate you. 
you know, it messes with your confidence and you just got to forget about that and just focus, you know, just keep grinding, you know, on that particular deer. No, because, you know, a lot of the listeners are going to be public land hunters and I don't care where you hunt public land. Maybe some places get more hunting pressure than others, but you're always going to deal with other hunters. So you just got to let that be part of the game. And, uh, like I said, just block some of it out and just, just keep going after it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that point. And yeah, cause like you said, it could screw with your confidence. And, and we were talking about my my buddy, Johnny Stewart the other day. And he, he always, he always says he he has some buddies that get worked up about other hunters. And he's like, they're too worried about hunting people than the deer. You get, you got to (laughs) focus on hunting the deer, you know, that's, it is what it is. And if there's people there, go somewhere else or go near, you know, there at least a mile or two away. There's a good chance, you know, that, that those deer aren't going to be right where all the people are anyways. Yeah. It was funny the other day, my dad was out scouting in in a a food source and Mm -hmm. he had saw boot tracks. So he was, staying away he's like ah that guy would have picked up anything that would have been there and he actually he came back across the boot tracks and just so happened that there was a shed laying there right next to the boot tracks it must have fell either after or he said the the snow melted enough that because it was hard to see but he's like so sometimes (laughs) you you can't be totally deterred by people when it comes into an area i I mean especially in a big woods it's different if uh you're hunting like fields where you could just get some binoculars and glass (laughs) but i can't tell you how many times i have went i've pounded an area before and then go through it again and I know that Sheb was there, but it's not like these things are glowing. No. no. and It's, it's literally it, like a needle in a haystack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, now you can't, you definitely, uh, I wouldn't worry about, you know, people, you know, shed hunting certain areas. If Especially if you know that there's some big deer wintering in that area, you still got to go anyways. Now, maybe, you know, because of social media, if there's a particular deer and obviously you see that they, yeah. they then, okay, no, no sense wasting your time if they find the antlers. But no, I just block all that stuff out and, you know, I'm willing to, to, you know, share the ground and I just try to do my own thing. Do you do you ever find where a certain deer will drop his antlers year after year in the same like general area like this? They has a wintering area. Absolutely, yeah. And so I I had a there was this buck that it was I don't know it was probably four or five years ago now that between myself and my family we had five years of sheds off of it and he always dropped within this was a tight area within two hundred yards yep. of each other and he always dropped both at the same time. Yeah, but what is happening there is, uh, like I said before, a wintering deer wants to move as little as possible. So if that same area where he's been wintering has everything he needs to survive, I mean, if he only even has to move a couple hundred yards a day to survive, he's going to do that. The less calories he has to burn to get through the winter, the better for him. And he knows that. So if it's a good, you know, good prime area for a winter survival, there's a good chance that that spot's going to hold that buck every year. And he's probably going to drop right in there. So, so do you think food's the, the biggest thing for winter, wintering areas or food? I think food. And if it is really winter, like we have right now, yeah. uh, I think the thermal cover is really important, like mm-hmm. the hemlock and pine and yep. that. And, uh, but sometimes if you have all that mixed in, like if you got food tight to that, you know, you don't have much pressure, they feel safe. Um, cause one thing I've noticed too, 
if an area got a lot of hunting pressure in gun season, and then I go in there in shed season, I'll find the bedding is still pushed way back from the food still, like those deer are still spooked, even though, you know, there's not anyone hunting, but they just, they saw all that pressure in gun season that, you know, they'll still be bedding usually way back from, from the excess area. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there wasn't much pressure and it has the bedding cover, you know, the, and the food all close together, then, then those sheds should be right, right in there. And that those are the best places to find yeah, sheds. Yeah. It makes the ball game a lot easier. Definitely. <laughs> With, um, so when it comes to food, what are some of the food sources that, that you're keying in on? Sure. Um, I mean, I know before we even started the podcast, obviously we talked about acorns. I think acorns in the big woods are your best source, but obviously we know that acorns aren't available everywhere and deer don't just eat acorns. Um, I think the absolute best area to count on for sheds every year is going to be like young clear cut area mixed with like hemlock evergreen, you know, cause a lot of times when they log an area, they don't cut the hemlock because there's no use for it. Yep. So they'll leave the hemlock standing. But if there's like a ton of like blackberry brows mixed in there, those bucks will hardly even leave that, that cut. So those, those clear cuts with that, you know, type of winter, winter cover, you'll find loads of sheds in there every year. But the, the situation is, is you don't, that's another scenario where you don't want to go too early because those deer are bedding and feeding in the same spot, same spot within yep. the cover. So you you wouldn't want to go in there till probably, you know, at least March or April. Yeah. And then you got to hope that, you know, because it's public land that nobody else is going in there ahead of you because shed hunting is getting more popular. And I feel like you get a sense of like everyone's trying to beat someone to an area now. Yeah. So that's that's the situation you run into. Hopefully, you know, you have some places that, that other people don't know, but that would be the most ideal winter food source is browse. Uh, browse are mainly really good in the winter because it takes very little energy to eat browse rather than if there's acorns or food underneath the snow, the deer have to dig to find it. And yep. sometimes they're burning up more energy to get to the food than what it's really going to give back. So, yeah. uh, browse is really good. And, um, well, well, hold on one yeah. second, Steve, to that point yep. about like those newer logging cuts, w- one that I've found like say f- really fresh logging cuts, like they're actively logging an area. Oh yeah. It can be super good, which w- what I like the benefit of that is even though there's that cover that's in there from the tops and everything, yep. they're not typically bedding in there if the, if the loggers are in there during the day. So they're exactly. just coming in at yeah. night. Um, you know, once they're done, then that could be both a food and yep. uh, bedding area. But yep. th- to be able to, that that helps out a lot. I like those yep. types of areas. And then also what you're saying about like saying have the, the hemlocks mixed in with those newer spots. Yep. How I, I know I, I can just, we haven't even talked about this, but I have a feeling you do this. If you see a lone hemlock yep. in the middle of a cut, oh, God. you got to check under it. Oh, I, I, I literally <laughs> like if I pull into a spot. I'm picking out all the hemlock. Yep. <laughs> and you'll see my boots go this hemlock, that hemlock. You know, you have to, because there'll be a bed almost under every one yep. of them. Yep. Yep. I, oh, I I love those spots. My dad yep. taught me that young, and uh, I, I see it all the time. And I could tell when someone's uh, shed hunting that knows that same yep. thing, because you'll watch their boot, <laughs> boot tracks beat me to that that 
hemlock. Yep. <laughs> and one thing too about that I this is kind of a theory of mine is I found a lot of sheds in beds or right beside a bed, and I think you know a lot of times in the winter when a buck gets up he'll do like a big shake mm-hmm. he'll shake his head he'll shake his whole body shaking snow and moisture and whatever but that's a perfect scenario for those antlers to drop so that's why I'll, i mean i find a lot of sheds in feeding areas but bedding areas actually may be better because they're you know that that's just one think about if those horns maybe are just a little loose and ready to come off uh, you've, there's videos that prove when a buck drops his antlers, he shakes his head now. Like you see that, yep, yep. you know, that big shake could definitely be what knocks those antlers off. So you got to check wherever you think that deer might be bedding, like, especially under those hemlocks that you were talking about. Yep. I, I, I saw, um, last year was in March and I jumped a buck that still had his antlers. He was actually bedded in this like real thick swampy creek bottom mm-hmm. and, he jumped up and took off, and he's going through all these like sapling trees. And I'm like, look, like we're <laughs> trying to see if he dropped them, but he didn't. And uh, it's just, it's, it's funny. But yeah, any kind of jolt or stuff like that by shaking their heads and yep. and yeah, I, I don't really know for sure. <laughs> like if uh, their body literally says, "All right, it's time to drop." Yeah, I feel like they just feel it starting to get like not as good of a connection and a wobbly feeling. This is just my theory. Yeah. could be wrong. <laughs> all of a sudden it just doesn't feel right up there and they shake. Yep. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> all right. So I, I cut you off there when you're, you're That's about okay. to talk into some other different food right. sources. Yep. Um, so yeah. So, you, you know, I talked to a lot of hunters that say, Steve, there's not an oak tree anywhere I hunt. You know, what do the deer eat? Um, the thing is, is they eat way more than what any of us would ever think. Um, especially this time of year, uh, they're eating things that might not even be much value for them, but they got, they're going to be nibbling on something every day. But, uh, you know, one of the things I find more in the winter, especially if it's an area that hasn't had good logging, or maybe there's maybe high deer numbers and there's not good, good available browses, they'll be digging up bulbs. Um, a lot of it is fern bulbs. You know, I'll, I've seen many posts before, like on Facebook and Instagram, someone's like, what the heck are these deer doing? The, the ground is just shredded up here. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're, what they're doing is they're digging up bulbs. And, and there actually is nutrients in the bulbs, like uh, how, you know, we might, you know, I'm a landscaper, so I might put bulbs in for someone maybe they want tulips the next year well yeah okay maybe we don't really have much for tulips in the woods but most of your perennial plants have a bulb that comes up every year so the deer know that and they dig sometimes inches deep into the ground to to get those bulbs so if you're out shed hunting and you see uh you know an area all torn up and just to the dirt that those are places where the deer are spending time feeding and they will actually go back to that spot. Like, uh, you know, I've noticed, uh, many times where, you know, it wasn't a one-time occurrence. There was something in the ground there, some kind of bulb that, you know, they might go back there two or three times to, to dig them all up. Yep. Um, just how we would like dig up leaks or something like that. Yep. So that's something very key for the winter time. Yeah, I, that no, that's that's a real. Because how many times do you come across an area where a whole hillsides just like yep. tore up, and you're like, you know, what what are they eating? Yeah, and they're not actually eating the fern itself. They rarely eat fern, from what I from my. They're they're eating the the bulb that the fern is 
coming up out of the next year. There's a good chance you won't see many ferns in that little spot next year because they ate all the all the bulbs. <laughs> ah, that makes uh, that definitely yeah. makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, and and um, also like, have you ever seen like uh, like dewberries and stuff, mostly oh, yeah. clear cuts and stuff, yep. and the the red vines yep. and everything that they seem to yep. love to dig in the openings within the the clear cuts oh, or on the logging roads. And the reason why you also see a lot of digging in clear cuts is you have more sunlight, which is you know more stuff to grow. It's not just the browse that they eat; they're eating, like I said, the stuff that's already in the ground that's that's in a bulb form that's going to come up the next year. So you know they know to dig that up. Uh, one thing. I don't do a lot of shed hunting in an area where there's a lot of oak trees that don't produce because what I've learned is the an oak like it's uh, its canopy is so wide and wherever you have oak you don't have a lot of understory. Mm-hmm. So you want you know you want to be in places where the understory of the trees is not real wide and where there's more sunlight. Um, that's where deer are going to feed a lot in the winter if they don't have you know good browse sources. Yeah. So. I'm not a big believer in, like, I hunt uh, Allegheny State Park in New York where there's no logging at all. Like, no, never can be done there. And uh, it's just big old woods. And I'm just, I'm not a big believer that deer can hardly survive if they don't have the most perfect world to live in. Like, uh, there's there's no browse in places over there, but there's deer every year. Maybe they're not the healthiest deer, but... um deer are going to survive almost anywhere you put them. And you just have to know, you know, cause I have people say, well, Steve, there's no logging where I hunt. There's no clear cuts. How do I hunt that? Well, the deer are going to have, you know, they're going to have their habits and food sources wherever, wherever they live. It's just, you just got to get to know that area. Yep. So uh, pay attention to what they're digging exactly. up and stuff. And there, I, I'll tell you, there's probably more times than not. I'm not sure exactly what they're eating, yeah. but I can just kind of, you can kind of visualize the area and like, oh, these type of areas, yep. they're digging something up. I'm not, I'm not even close to, to knowing anything is uh, as far as plants, it's been one of the things the last couple of years I've been trying to learn oh, yeah. more of the plants in the woods and understanding. Yep. Um, I learned that in school, in high school, when I had uh, uh, VOAG class and we learned uh-huh. all the different plants, but I didn't pay attention enough <laughs> to, to have it really sink in, you know? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, can, I, I hear you on that. And, and you know, and uh, so w- when you're saying about leeks and how we, we picked those, there was a few years ago that we had like a stretch in January that got really warm. And then I think it like felt like it, it made the leaks start to come up early. Oh yeah, and I found a bunch of sheds in those in the leaks. leaks. Yeah, they might have even been e- eating either the green or digging them. Yeah, yeah, and I I found and that doesn't happen all the time, but just like kind of noticing those types of things, yeah. or if it's like if it's a winter where, like even like now, or if, say you get a hard like freeze over where it's hard for them to dig, spring seeps. Yeah, that exactly. last year, I and it wasn't a tough winter, but I found a lot of sheds and spring seeps. It's yeah, especially if there was if there was acorns in an area and it's froze over really bad, all the seeps will be pounded with deer sign because they once again I brought it up before. It's all about energy this time of year. They're not doctors or scientists or whatever, but Mother Nature tells them, is it worth going for this food source or not? Because if you if they put in so much energy and don't get enough in return, their bodies already know, okay, it's not worth it. 
mm-hmm. you know. So uh, those seeps, it takes hardly any energy to just go in there, just go in there and grab the acorns or whatever is available to eat. They yep. don't have to hardly dig. So, yeah, that's a great point. Um, uh, but um, one thing, too, that you brought up, I've noticed, like, every year, if I find, say, like you said, you, you notice where the, the, they were feeding on leeks, I find that relevant in a lot of different areas. Like, okay, this year maybe we didn't have a good acorn crop, but I'm finding a lot where this food source is. Or then you want to think of other areas. Okay, where is that food source? And then, you know, search those areas. It, it kind of seems like every year there's something that the deer are mostly keying on, and you can use that in wherever you go. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I totally agree. And so one thing I just thought of is I've, I've had someone – call me out on this before so i guess the term leaks is really <laughs> generalized to our area in northern yeah. pennsylvania even southern pennsylvania they call them ramps yeah ramps uh, yep. so they're a wild onion basically is exactly what we're, what we're discussing here but <laughs> i always forget about that because like we have sure. our own terms about things and in other areas like what the hell are they yep. talking about <laughs> and another thing too we talked about like it's good it's really cool to learn what deer eat like I would question most people, when you watch deer from your stand, do you really pay attention to what they're doing? Like, I try to, anytime I see a deer, I love to watch what it's eating. Sometimes I'll see a deer, like, nip on some funky plant I didn't even know, so then I'll go, like, take a picture of it and then try to look it up online, and that's a, right there you learn something. I remember one time... I didn't even know deer ate mushrooms until I watched it happen. Like there's all these mushrooms growing around the base of this tree. And this little buck came over in front of me and he probably ate like 30 mushrooms. There wasn't a mushroom left on this tree, but like that day I learned something Yeah, in the big woods, like, and I know everywhere, but especially in the big woods, it's just like, sometimes it's just survival, whatever, you know, whatever is available, they eat, but they do know like if, if there's acorns or there's mushrooms, I'm pretty sure they're not going to be eating mushrooms. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's like if you go to a buffet, are you going to get five salads or are you going to get five rounds of, say they might have prime rib available yeah. too. You know, they're just, they're the same way. So you kind of have to know the area and know what's available. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's, it's so true. Cause it, you know, I'll be in, I've been in areas in, in North central PA a lot, East of where we're at that don't have much cuttings and stuff. And I'll see them even eating the bark off of trees Yeah, whatever. and, and shaving yep. it. And I hate those areas. I just try to stay. I like to have more food sources oh, than possible, sure. but yep. um, it's just, it's just interesting. They'll always find a way, like you said, to yep. survive yeah. and this, be able to do that. Yeah. This time of year though, um, the, whatever the best food source is available is going to be where most of the deer are at. So just, I think for shed hunting, that's, even though I said, you know, a bedding area may be the best place to find a shed because I think a deer may be bedding more now throughout the, throughout even a 24 hour day, there may be more time in a bed now than there is in a food source. You know, I'm going to say you might have a deer bedding 12, 15, or in a bedding area, 12, 15 hours a day, at least right now, and then go out and feed a little bit. Cause when they're bedding, they're still preserving more energy yep. moving around. So the bedding areas are probably a little better, but if you still know the best food source in that area, 
that's still a really good place to find those sheds too. Yeah. You know, knowing that best food source. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Like, do you, um, so do you, do you, any of the areas that you scout, shed, hunt, hunt, do you have any like swampy type areas at all? Or is it mostly mountainous type stuff? Yeah. All mine's mountainous. Um, I would love to hunt swamps or spend, I've, I've heard, you know, there's so much out there on swamps that just, I'm so attracted to it. I just, I don't really have, have, you know, that, that type of the area where I live. But, um, I, I would just, if you want to touch more on it than me, I would totally think that a swamp could be a great wintering area. I would think, especially if it's mixed with some evergreen, yeah. you know, it's probably a really good wintering area. That's, that's it's what I was going to say was some of the areas that I hunt that don't have like really big, steep hills and come into, yeah. they might have like, say more of a shallower valley that aren't as much elevation difference. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> those swamps, those open areas in the swamps. Yep. Shed magnets. I mean, they they really? spend a lot of wintering time. Like you said, if they're mixed with hemlocks, they have the cover there. Yep. They'll eat. There's grasses that are in the, the swamp. I don't know the specific types of grasses, but there's grasses in there. Yep. And I, I, I seem to find some there. And I, I also have noticed that if it's a harder winter, they seem to be focused more in those swamps, probably because it's wetter and they, oh, can, yeah. they can dig things up or Absolutely. do anything where... Um, so, and, and that seems to depend year to year too, on what the winter looks like and depending on where they're yep. spending, spending that time. And I, I always, I, I'm a big believer. I think February, March, I think are the main shed months when bucks drop their antlers. So you also like have to pay attention to how the winter is throughout the year. Like if it's a really mild winter, it's actually harder to find sheds, in my opinion, because the deer can be in a lot of different places. But a harder winter is going to pocket deer better. So, you know, maybe like right now, winter, as far as I know, is starting to get kind of bad. So really, um, I think it it will be easier to find sheds this winter because the deer are going to be more concentrated. Yep. Except where it will probably backfire is... If we have 20 inches of snow that's out there right now and that doesn't melt till April, then we're not going to have the actual time to to find them. You know, a lot of them will be buried. But when you do get that time out there, you should be getting batches rather than maybe one shed every three days. Yep. You know, so paying attention to the weather and how severe your winter is is also going to really determine, you know, how good of a shed season it's going to be if the deer are spread out or concentrated. Yeah. So, okay. So say you have some food sources identified, bedding areas that you want to go in there to shed hunt. What, what's your strategy as far as going in, looking specifically for sheds? Are you grid searching the areas? Are you walking trails? What, what does that kind of look like? What I try to do is, I mean, I'll zigzag. If I see a really good trail, I'll follow it. I think the best way is to, not bounce around too much, like pick an area and then don't go anywhere for your next three or four times until you feel you have it covered. And you don't want to go too early. Like, you know, if it's like middle of March and I would say 80 or 90% of the bucks have dropped, I feel like that's a time to just pick an area. And if you have a weekend or whatever, then we're only going to this area and we're just going to spend two full days in here and cover every inch of it. Yep. I mean, yeah, trails and the food sources and this and that you, you go through first, but they're not, sometimes I just find sheds and unexpected, <laughs> like he was just randomly walking here and he dropped, yep. you know, to really 
to really, you know, gather up the sheds in that area, you got to cover almost all of it. Yeah. You know? So it's just, if you're just sweeping through areas, you'll, you, you won't be a guy that's going to have bundles of sheds. Yeah. You know, you got to cover areas thoroughly. Well, I, I, I always laugh at that because this is, this is where I'm terrible at it because I get like, I'm like, oh, I want to go look over here. Yeah. I want to go do this. <laughs> and I, I never can, I, I always, I would laugh because like, say I'd come out with anywhere from 15 to 20 sheds a year would be like my average. And then I look at my dad that finds 60 to 70 because he's more, he's more patient with being able to cover yeah. all of the area yep. than, than I am. And, uh, but now with focusing on smaller areas, I have more time to be able to do that. So I'm hoping that I pick up some more oh, sheds in the will. process, but it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I would, I'm glad you say that because I, I know you find quite a few sheds and like I look at mm-hmm. when I you know I talk to a, a bunch of different people and the ones that seem to be really good at finding sheds have that similar that thorough, strategy thorough that's what you have to do attention to detail uh, type of stuff so. yeah but then you also just got to know for sure what's a good area like uh, I've been doing it more I think other guys have like for my shed hunting I'm running a lot of cameras as if I was hunting the deer now. Cause like, I'll f- you know you'll find areas where uh, it looks like you know there was a lot of wintering activity, and if you didn't have cameras there, you'd be surprised. There's some areas where it's just mainly does you know in there, or they might have uh, only been in there in December and January. Then they shifted, and you had no clue. So all the sign was there, but you it's really tough to tell whether that sign was made and january or february Mm -hmm. so that's why running cameras if you really want to get serious about finding sheds i would totally say you know run a lot of cameras in those areas that will give you the the right intel are you running cameras on like trails food sources bedding almost all mine has been on food sources just because i didn't want to bother the The bedding bedding. and screw anything up yep you know but uh you know i've been getting the a ton of pictures and food sources and it's really neat this time of year it's almost like i kind of wish i could hunt because the pattern is just crazy easy right now mm-hmm. it's like food to bed food to bed just and some of the bucks i get on the same trail almost every day you know it's it's like it seems like it could be an easy time of year and not i'm not ever going to say it's truly easy, easy but yeah. much easier <laughs> yeah this time of year if you have a good bedding area and a good feeding area, and maybe they're not that far apart. I really think you could peg a buck right now. Yeah, you know that's what's neat about it. Yeah, I I I normally don't run much cameras as far as for sheds, but this year I moved some around, and I was just it was snow, so I could see these like just cow pass of trails that were going yeah. in, and like I'd have my camera say it was thirty yards away. And the scrape that I had it on isn't on, like I say, a primary trail or whatever. It's all snow covered. And I haven't had a deer yep. in a month on that camera, yep. but only 30 yards away yep. can be exactly pretty, pretty good. So yep. no, that's why I, I would totally recommend if, uh, say you're a guy that's like, well, I just, I left my cameras out, but they're, you know, most people put their cameras on scrapes. Well, if, if you were really trying to get good Intel for this time of year, I don't think scrapes is going to get you the best yep. that you can get. You know, I really think focusing on that food to bedding pattern, whether you're on the trails or in the food, probably not the bedding, but, uh, you know, 
from outside of the bedding or in the food is is where you want your cameras right now not so much on the scrapes yeah i i I would definitely agree with that like i said most of the time i leave mine out just from the standpoint of just not getting out to yeah move them or do anything but and they will hit liking branches oh yeah you're you're a big proponent of that too but it's not as often yeah you won't get it's not your best odds (laughs) exactly nope that's the perfect yeah put that um and uh so i i guess i think that covers most of everything with sheds do you have anything else to add that you can think of um that's all the questions i I always kind of just go back and recap to make sure everybody kind of got what i was trying to explain and or i was explaining to say so uh you know one thing i notice every year it just seems like everyone's super anxious to shed hunt and like uh i i look and and I see like guys like, oh, I'm already up to like 10 or 12 and, and I'm not trying to compete with anyone, but it, it does make you like push to do it a little sooner. And there's nothing wrong with doing it soon. But, you know, like we talked about before is you just got to be real careful that where you're putting your efforts, you know, right now is, uh, cause you can totally blow opportunities and in, in your numbers, uh, if you're going into the wrong areas this early. So there's really nothing wrong with uh, going out right now early if, if you just play your cards right. But then, uh, you know, like I said, you just you just got to be real careful um, and just avoid those bedding areas. And, uh, you know, it, even though if you wait till March or April, you're much better just, just backing out because those sheds are probably not going anywhere unless you do have a lot of, uh, you know, hunters in your area. So... Just don't get too caught up in what everyone, you know, their numbers. And I've only found one so far this year. And I, uh, I've been in the woods probably every day, but like two since after Christmas. Yeah. My eyes are on the ground. I'm not saying I'm always, uh, for sure in the best place to find a shed, but I, I'm not too, I'm not too worried about even how I don't have a goal to find so many this year, but I just, I'm not, uh. I'm not over anxious about doing it. And I think that's, you know, if we're talking this time of year, you know, just be patient and, uh, you know, don't ruin the, the best time is yet to come. Yep. So. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I agree with that. I struggle with the point too of, and just even cabin fever wanting to oh, go yeah. do that. So like yep. wait, to, again, with your recap there, if I'm going to be going out right now, I'm trying to focus on more of the food sources exactly. and areas where I don't think they're spending time. Yep in the daylight and i i can promise like i've over the years i've went into some food sources like two three days in a row and had cameras there and those deer know that i'm there but it doesn't bother them at all they may come in even later but who i don't i am totally <laughs> fine with them coming in at night right now as long as i keep coming back yeah so you can you know i heard someone say you know you shouldn't be out there at all this time of year and maybe in certain areas where the deer are really congested and they can see the food source from where they're bedding but if as long as there's some distance you know between food and bedding you have no there really shouldn't be hardly an issue with going in those food sources this time of year yeah i yeah i'm i'm I, you and I agree definitely on on that point so yep. yeah this this time of year I always joke it's like uh, I, I you and I were texting the other day I was like trying to get work done around the house yeah. and do all that kind of stuff to get my mind off of take just taking a little bit of a, a break if possible you know yep and uh, one thing too I'll, I'll bring up not really related to shed hunting but you know someone like me I, I'll be honest like 
Like the only time I have to work this time of year is if it's snowing out. So if it doesn't snow, I'm in the woods. And even every day, I'm if I do have to plow snow, I'm usually done by like noon. So I feel like some people can look at me and be like, you know, to have a certain success, I need to be out there as much as Steve because he's out there every day. And, and I would tell people to, you know, you just, you can't, you, you just got to focus on what you're able to do. You know, there's people that have, you know, a bunch of kids and sports and all this and that, like, you know, and those are all good things, but you don't have to, uh, you never want to try to compare and like, the only way I'm going to have success is if I go out every day. All I would say is when you get a chance, you know, when you know that I have some time to, to get, do some scouting, just get out there every chance you can get. But I'm not saying you have to go every day or, you know, sure, it will help. But, you know, just don't pay attention and be like it's a competition or you have to be at a certain level because not everyone's capable of, of doing some of the things that I do. I know you even said you're like earlier, like, Steve, I know you're in the woods every day and I'm not trying to outdo anyone, but I got the time. Yeah. Just, I'm just fortunate. Every, so, yeah. Everyone's different. And I yep. still am pissed that they didn't tell me in high school that I, if I wanted to hunt, I should have been a landscaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I, like I said, I, uh, I'm just super, I'm super blessed. And part of the reason why I do things like this is, okay, maybe I know whoever that's listening today can't be out there as much as me, but maybe if my experiences and my time, I can give something back. And like I said, I'm not trying to make myself look good, but I am just, you know, if I can help someone that a guy that's working 12 hours a day, five days a week, you know, God bless you. I, I, I'd be glad to help you in some kind of way. So, yeah. you know, that's just, that's just how life is. But I just, this is also a time of year when we can be sitting at home and, you know, winter sports are going on and maybe the desire to be out there isn't as much, but that's where you, that's where you really got to, um, you got to keep the flame burning when you can this time of year, even though a lot of us aren't thinking about deer hunting, but if you can get out there by all means, make sure you're putting some time in in the off season. Yeah, uh, I, I I think you definitely hit a home run there at the end, Steve. And, yep. <laughs> and I, I I know for one, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate the information sure. you're putting out there. I mean, that's what I mean. We're all trying to help each other out exactly. and and do better. And and you know, it's it's one of those things. Every once in a while, I'll get message where people are mad, say I'm talking about something that was like a <laughs> a secret or whatever it is. But it's like. Honestly, it's the people, if someone's listening to this, normally they want to make themselves better. They're the ones that are yep. putting in the work. The, the lazy people aren't going to do the work anyway. So yep. if you can help the good people out, why not? Oh, and what we have to, I mean, I know a lot of us get to a certain level and we've learned so much that it's like we have to keep it all in for ourselves. But what you have to remember is there's a lot of new hunters out there that are just learning. And if it, we don't have people like us sharing knowledge and helping, then what's the future going to be like with hunting? You know, we've, we're already being attacked from, from every direction. So we have to be sharing this knowledge. Um, like I said, I don't say everything, but I think I say enough to help people. And I know yeah. you're the same way. Yep. You know, people turn on the, most of the time on the East Meet West podcast, it's going to be you're going to learn something it's not just some plain old story that you know Bo shoots another buck or yeah. you're gonna if you do shoot a buck 
or whoever you interview, it's all about how it happened and how someone else can have that same opportunity. Yep. And if so. you can pull one thing out of this and it helps you out, then that's a win. Absolutely. You know? So no, I, like I said, uh, let, I don't get too caught up in so I honest, I'm just like you. People will say, Steve, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You know, <laughs> you're ruining it for everyone else. But in the long run, I'm helping way more than what I'm hurting. Yep. So, and I'm not going to change. I I love that. <laughs> so, Steve, where can where can people again find you again? Sure. Um. Yeah. So I have a Facebook page. Just look up Shirk's Guide Service. S H E R K apostrophe S. Or Instagram is the same. Or ShirksGuideService.com. And you're booked for this year already. Yep, I'm I'm completely Fully booked. booked. So are you taking people to book as far as hunts with you um for next year already? Um, or no? I don't I don't want to do that because I the people that have been especially some have been coming religiously for years. And I would never want to cancel out a guy that's been coming and giving me his business for years and I'm expecting him to come next year. So I, I leave all those spots open. And then, you know, if people, I know it's a long time from now, but usually I try to round everyone up like right after gun season, you know, mid to late December. And if there's any spots available, um, you know, I'll post them then. Or, uh, you know, it's not for sure. It's not 100% sure. You know, things can happen from now till hunting season. There probably will be some openings that come up. And, you know, I wish I could take on more people, but this isn't a business that, like, I'm just trying to grow. Like, uh, I have a certain amount of people that I feel I can take out a year, and I I don't want to take out any more than that because, I mean, these woods are fragile. I also don't want to see any more deer killed than what we killed this year. Like, I try to have a number. Um, This would be about a limit, and just because I I never want to... uh, ruin such a good thing that I already have. Yeah. So, and I know there's other hunters out there that hunt these areas. So, um, I never want to push other people away. And, uh, so yeah, unfortunately I think it's going to be tough for, you know, to get hunts with me in the future. And by all means, if there's an opening for a new person, I will gladly, um, I always want to take new people, but I really have to take care of the people that, that, that come every year. It's just, that's just how business works. Yep. They, 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 you know, I owe that to them. Yep. I, I, I definitely respect that and, yep. and respect your thoughts on it. You're not trying to just make the most money. No. You just want to. God, no. No. <laughs> no. No, I, I kid you not. Like, I, you know, if I was to bring a number out, I could easily book a hundred people a year. I, I, that's no exaggeration. I turn down people every day. Um, but I would never want to do that on a public land. And because honestly, it, it, it is somewhat about the money, but the money that I'm making is, is plenty. Like yeah. I'm, I'm just good with the way it is. And, uh, I, uh, you know, I hope through things like that we do today that people may not need a guide and, um, it's, it's very easy to do it yourself if you're willing to put the time in. So I wish those people the best luck and through what I can give today and what you give on all these podcasts, I just hope that, uh, those kind of people are listening and, um, that they can be successful as well. Awesome. Well, thanks Steve again for coming on. And, uh, we'll hopefully get to, we don't have so much time in between seeing each other and we can <laughs> hang out again soon. Sounds good, bud. Can't wait. See ya.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.